Do you feel, Rosa, that this movement has been a success? We have made uh, many improvements from way back there when we had, but we still have many challenges to face. Your mumbo days are over. You want to wiggle, wiggle over to the stove and get my stuff. <laughs> you seem to have forgotten that I am a woman. I treat you like a woman. I let you sew, I let you cook, I let you wash the windows, I let you clean up. Boys don't do that, Alex. You wouldn't even think of doing a simple little gentlemanly thing like tipping your ass. Alice, one of these days. Yeah, yeah, I know, Ralph. Right to the moon. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for another edition of Nick's Nonfiction. You are here with your trusted, loving, long-time, me love you long-time host, Nick Muniz, breaking for the month of March, Woman's Month, The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan. It is Women's Month. You guys have claimed March. Definitely not my favorite month, but it's yours now. We are going to be talking about how women are more educated than men. You get better grades nowadays. Women make more money than men from the age of 25 to 35. Betty Friedan launched the second wave of feminism in the 1960s with this book. This book, it's one of the best-selling books, nonfiction books of all time. Literally got women out of the household, changed the demographics of the streets. Traffic accidents probably went up. All the dudes rubbernecking, seeing all the flapper hats in the streets. A book from 63, right after the suit and tie society of the 50s. Coming home with a martini in one hand and a knuckle sandwich to the wife in the other. To the moon, Alice! Jackie Gleason, he was threatening to send his wife to the moon with one swift uppercut. Uh, I love Lucy. Did Lucy love you, though? Betty Friedan was taking the house and wife's neurosis to the bigger question. This book is all about the psyop that is the housewife's coveted position in America. You probably spent a lot of time at the dollhouse growing up. This social engineering of society that everybody loves to dissect. We are getting to the bottom of it by the end of the show today, ladies and germs. We are going to know how to engineer society for both sexes to get along. About the author here, Miss Betty Friedman. Short one, not a lot about her online. She was older, born in 1921, and then died in 2006. So she got to see women in the workplace fully. She got to see past the .71. She got to see equal pay. Betty was losing her mind. She was writing till the end of her days about how she was loving seeing all the women in college. Betty wasn't much of a writer throughout her days, surprising being how well the book is written. It's praised by Oprah Magazine. It was in the uh, Oprah Book Reading Club. Remember they used to do that? Everybody gave up on book clubs. I am <laughs> past my time, but ahead of my time, we got the video going. Go check out YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. Betty didn't write. She was basically in government buildings her entire career. From 46 to 52, she was working with the United Electrical Workers, UE News. One of her assignments was to report to the House Un-American Activities Committee. So she was spending a lot of time. I used to go to my dad's zoning board meetings. He know She has seen the slow year-long process it takes to pass legislation. That's why Betty Friedman was marching along with Margaret Mead, old Thatcher. Is she a Margaret too? Margaret Thatcher. Betty saw after pushing paper for years on end in Capitol buildings, 
nobody listens to you. Nobody gets in contact with their electorates to influence real change. Look at Virginia last month. Look at... Did you see the coronavirus, people spitting in each other's faces, the arguments? Now we have the internet, but Betty was in the streets. you got to be putting a voice out there to enact change. It doesn't really matter. You can only do so much from within a government position. Betty knew this. Betty lived a long life. She wrote an amazing book that changed the United States of America. And this was published, this one, in 1963. Pretty big year in American history. Our president got the top of his head blown off. Um, a year before that, less than a year, Marilyn Monroe was killed. She was uh, the piece for all of Washington, D.C., all of the big Hollywood. Dean Martin was hooking up with her. They, <laughs> She could have talked. She was killed. There you go. If women were as obsessed with truth as dudes were, you guys would have a cool JFK-level conspiracy about Marilyn Monroe. Betty Friedan was, like, at the height of the civil rights movement, getting women out there on the streets with Martin Luther King. I was just talking about civil unrest. What's a Martin Luther King quote that you will never hear uh, in school or on the news celebrating Martin Luther King Day? A riot is the language of the unheard. The housewife was not allowed to have an opinion. Betty mobilized them and got them on the streets. And now you're going to have a lot of guys say, Oh, no, the housewives got too many opinions. We got to smack them back into place. That's real misogynism. I'm going to be reading this book with a critical eye. I, Dude, last month we had the game. So, yeah, I'm doing this for a little yin-yang to get my karma back online for the show. I already know I'm going to get shit on because I got called all the isms, all the phobics last month talking about picking up women but imagine if you were a girl and you wrote a book called how to catch a man or that movie how to get a guy in 10 days man when you reverse these things it's it's a double standard <laughs> so there you go i'm sure i will catch it from the right wing there will be some uh, cheeto shirted neck bearded keyboard warriors coming at me like why are you virtue signaling you're such a cuckold Mommy, I need more chicken tendies in the basement. You can't win out here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we got The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan. Chapter 1. 14-chapter book. The last two are kind of like how she wanted to see the world go. So it's going to be a little bit quicker chapters, but we're going to have a fun show today. Thank you guys for sticking around. Our mid-month show is not going to be one you're going to want to miss. It's a fucking... It's not even a book. We're just trying a new prank. It's going to be reviewing other people's Yelp reviews. <laughs> Already freaking working on it, finding restaurants that I want to rip apart. It's going to be a fun time. Definitely check that out. Chapter 1, The Nameless Problem. We have a name for the problem now, but again, this was written in 1963. Betty's first paragraph of The Feminine Mystique, worldwide bestseller, it describes the day of a house mom, an American 1950s housewife. You get up, you make your coffee so you can get on with your day. You make everybody's beds once the kids are up and the waffles are on the table. Have breakfast with uh, dad while he uh, strains his, while he has shaving cream on his face. And then everybody's out of the house. You have a prime piece of real estate to yourself to do whatever but you you got to go shopping and then you got to drive the kids home from school and betty by the end of this first page of describing the house mom's chores is going is this all the audacity <laughs> imagine some third world lady reading this going is this all i get raped by warlords every night 
I write in my journal every single night. If this happened to me, I would write down, I had a beautiful day today, surrounded by the people that love me the most. I didn't have to distribute my labor out to somebody I don't care about or some government. It was a good day. Betty's getting at a deeper point. It'll be dissected the whole book, but is this it? This is what the entire society, the highest goal for a woman was to get the wedding ring, have the wedding. And then what? You buy groceries and take care of booger machines the rest of your life? So you can see by my (laughs) internal monologue already, it was a very long read for me. Betty is making a good point. There is a huge difference between happiness and fulfillment. Also, I'm not going to be too much of a dick while we go about this because it was written in 1963. This was before women even had the opportunity to decide they wanted to work at McDonald's or Starbucks alongside with men. (laughs) So maybe once you go do that for less than a year, you'll find out it's really not that fulfilling. And maybe grass is always greener. It was nice to be able to be at home with all my loved ones. Betty's first real point, and I'm sure you could find a trillion woman studies master thesis is on this nowadays but in 63 she saw advertisements for girls in dresses even as well as their little dolls was hurting women into idolizing the housewife's slot this is all coming from betty frieden's mouth back then i said when we were introing i love lucy the honeymooners all those were about reinforcing the family structure look at media nowadays you have (laughs) The real housewives of every single city in America. The real housewives of Somalia. I'm sure it exists. Said warlord's woman. This was like half of my mass media education degree. We got lectured every single day about how women played with Barbies growing up and they were really skinny. I have this joke. (laughs) Holy shit. What would a what would a feminist Barbie look like? You squeeze a really fat one, and Barbie Q sauce comes out. A little wordy, you know. We're getting there with it. <laughs> Talk to hitting on the bigger feminine mystique points we're getting at here, though. What do you want to look at? Like guys play with action figures. They're fucking on steroids. You cannot be as ripped as the GI Joe that I grew up with. Maybe that's why I still have body dysmorphia, <laughs> but I'm not writing a thesis about it. Betty's one of the first women to realize and put in text. Look around, you guys. Why are we all just being herded into the same position and being told it's great? And so I don't know if I agree with her. You already see she's attacking She's attacking the family unit, which look at sons who grow up without a father. You have like a 50% chance of winding up in prison. So you got to have a full family unit to have a full shot at life. But Betty's saying, beware of the dress. Even though, (laughs) give a woman an opportunity to wear a dress and they will jump all over it. That third wave of feminism got us all messed up. Also at this time when the, it was like 1950s, first time radio ads were getting out there. And we don't know here, causation or correlation, what came first. When the dress ads were out, women were having smaller proportions than ever. You're probably just more self-conscious, so you're measuring yourself more. What gets measured gets improved. Old Olympic coach taught me that one before choking a kid out on a wrestling mat. <laughs> it's a good point, though. If the if you don't have the action figure or if you don't see the constant advertisements of Kim K, you're never going to want to get your ass to the right proportions, like G.I. Joe's, too. G.I. Joe had cake, son. And now, like I'm saying, third wave of feminism is complete malarkey it's backwards forwards upwards down there's no straight logical line you could follow it's some point of critical mass i guess we've hit because fact women are bigger than ever 
uh, Lizzo, you know? <laughs> Eating is easy and fun. I don't know when our society decided to start revering people who do things that are easy and fun rather than trying and difficult. So all those things are, we're, we're branching off a little bit here. Let's bring it back to the name of the chapter, the nameless problem. Betty was noting that the real problem is the empty feeling that most women have when they have achieved the wife status. That real problem Betty has came across is the empty feeling of, I had the kids, they're out of the house now. What do I do? Redecorate a couple more times? Try to go on a bigger vacation? Or do you start to realize, why didn't I focus on myself a little bit more? And you will never hear a mother say that she regrets being a mother because society glorifies maternity so much. It's You can never say that to a group of women. Betty ran a magazine for a minute. Women were writing into her, which women didn't have a voice. They weren't able to talk about their real thoughts. She had some real information coming in. Countless women were saying that they don't know who they are. Like, they have their kids and their family, but they still don't know who I am. Women were getting married at, like, you had three kids by the time you were 22. A bunch of Long Island women were writing into Betty like, you know, I just go through my day. It feels good when I'm around my family, but I just sleep so much. That's called depression. Manic people don't sleep much. They're chasing something. I store all my emotions in the bags under my eyes. Betty had an, a program that aired on early CBS, and it ran between I Love Lucy ironically. She was able to take some of these tell-all answer questions onto live television, which is huge in this day and age, because it was too taboo to talk about sex in a knitting circle. Her big quote on the CBS show was, love cannot fill that tooth of the spirit. Knowledge can. Love ain't gonna fill that hole all the time, but knowledge can. Very interesting. What is she, a philosopher? Betty's a apparently a guru coming at you from the top ropes. Imagine that, a Hallmark movie where instead of a girl being with a guy at the end, she says no and walks into a library, <laughs> pursues knowledge instead of love. And something interesting that Betty found about the people writing in was of the women receiving psychiatric help, the ones that were married reported to have depression. And then the ones that were single reported to have anxiety. So like I said before, the grass is always greener on the other side. That's why, like, the last chapter of uh, the game was manage your expectations because people don't let you down. Your expectations are what's going to let you down. So if you do a little bit of logical division, if you cancel out the illusion of marriage, it negates the anxiety. You could take yourself out of the equation until you want to be part of the equation. You could talk about your interests at the brunch table rather than the dudes that you're texting. It wasn't until the 1980s that they came up with a name for this nameless problem. And it's in the DSM now, the mental illness bible that everybody's getting diagnosed with. It's called housewife's neurosis. Doesn't matter if you're single, because you could be cooped up in the house too. <laughs> they just call it depression then. Isn't how is that not discriminatory if you're a single person with no friends? I am going to sue the HOV lane, the carpool lane on the highway. That is discriminatory towards single people. So we have a name for it as we have a name for everybody's mental twitches nowadays. Over 60%, the stat comes later, of women who get married report having housewives neurosis. So Betty quote to Ender, The recent movement to suburban conformity, new neurosis, character pathologies, and sexual problems are being reported by doctors. 
these are just new dimensions to old problems. So like we give new, we give different things names every few years. Oh, you're, you have housewives neurosis. You need to, you're cooped up. You're manic this week. You're depressed next week. But the, it's always the same human problem. Plato was writing about it 6,000 years ago. You got to try to fulfill whatever you think your fucking truth is. We don't have a cool or not corny sounding name for it yet. But if you just submit to some societal blueprint of a life, you're going to feel a little bit robbed. And that's what the nameless problem is that I could try to describe with my shitty vernacular. Chapter 2. The Happy Housewife Heroine. So this chapter is going to focus more on that 40%. Like I said, like I said, 60% of women will admit when they get married, I'm not having as much fun. This isn't going to make my life worth living. 40% of women are tricked into the heroine. They're going, whoa, the bells and whistles. Everything's great about being a wife. I get to sleep until 10 a.m. and call the chef. Just a bunch of rich wives with this problem. But you could be blinded by having so many cool vacuum cleaners and juicers and Alexa home assistants that you don't see beyond what you're doing here. Some people come to that realization on their deathbed. Some people come to it when they come across The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan. Like I'm saying, this book wakes people up. The biggest heroine... I mean, we have legitimate heroin now. A third of Americans are on opiates, so that's a third of moms are playing with their kids while they're zooted on Soma. What used to be a really big opiate back in the day for women st stuck in the household was romance novels. Betty's talking about at the time they were called dime novels. It's reinforcing the Prince Charming myth, too. So you're feeding back into the, why, why didn't I get flowers tonight? Why didn't I get taken on a date? Why am I not the one living in a castle? You're feeding back into this rom-com version of reality that you live in. Along with romance novels, women's magazines were huge. How many girls had Seventeen magazine growing up? I would thumb through those because they were in my house. <laughs> I've said this before. What is the magazines nowadays? It's the internet. Every other page is an advertisement. You don't know if what you're clicking on is going to try to give you a new subscription to some bullshit. The internet is the new magazines. And you see what has beholden women in today's society instagram influencers it's the new fucking magazines this isn't some ancient idea of romance novels it's just taking a new mystique a new form that what do you, you know the x-men character mystique she's a fucking shapeshifter this is what it's about ladies and so the heroine comes across these girls get their millions of followers uh, it look like they're having fun all over the world, photoshopping themselves into Peru and the Maldives. And then they uh, get some rich cuck that'll take care of them forever while they cheat on them. And that's the new magazine model. It's the new opiate of the masses, a Winston Churchill quote. It's the new heroine like Betty Friedan said in the 60s. And something Betty said, we should really try to help other women that we see doing this that are really on the heroine is girls that are in abusive relationships. Uh, like we said last month, we had a really cool stat. It was actually a couple ago, Jordan B. Peterson. Women's, the opiate levels in their brain throughout the day are higher after they get dumped because they have the support of the community. So girls that are in abusive relationships, when they have the friend that knows what's good, they get so much more out of the relationship from their friends than getting dick once and then getting a right hook to the jaw every time you mess up a meal 
So the least you could do to yourself is not let people beat you. Betty said one of the most common things wrote in a lot of women described their career as a dream. Not bad. A dream that faded away long ago. It's like how women overanalyze every single text message. If a period is in the wrong place, you have given a different message. Your career should not be one of these dreams and farces that have faded away that you could talk about as Betty straight up said in the book. Dude, Betty's a fucking killer. I gotta marry a Betty. She went admitting you let your dreams fade away. You have no one else to blame when you become depressed. It's inevitable. And so you get into the societal brainwashing. You're a girl. You have to take care of your family. You have an obligation. Nobody's obligated to do shit. There's people that die of heroin in the streets who had beautiful families and lives and just squander it. There aren't good people. There aren't bad people. We're living in the gray for 80 short years here, ladies and gentlemen. In Betty's Ladies Home Journal, 49, she had a piece that went viral. And it was all about you've been giving away your energies, your service, your talents, all for love. And that's a currency. People, Some people feed off of love. Some people, a lot of dudes, feed off of money. Betty's cure in this article that she prescribed was to go get some sexual gratification. Go get fucked. Stop sitting around. Get that out of your system. <laughs> if you actually let yourself have sex when you wanted to, you wouldn't be building up these fantasies in your head all day. You can be more rational. Get that out of your way. Uh, a sexual thought will pop into a man's head every second, but women spend more time per day indulging the sexual thoughts. They actually have fantasies. Guys just fucking tuck their boner into their waistband and hope no one notices. Girls are like fingering themselves in the back of the classroom. So regardless whether you're part of the 40% that love being a wife or the 60% that aren't too enthralled, childcare is the most important thing that you shouldn't even let get involved. It's like how I said before, a third of Americans are taking heroin, opiates. Do not let that get involved with the kids. You're trying to be a feminist activist on Facebook. Do not get your kid involved with that. You're going to a gay pride parade, taking it a step up in your civil service. Okay, do not take your fucking kid to the parade. This is people marching in the streets celebrating how they take it in the ass. You think a kid should be there? Studies showed that after the 1960s, Decade of the most marches in American history. Women were reading more books. So just like the feminine mystique here, people were waking up when stuff's going on outside your window. When there's people outside your window, you're going to go look and say, I should be a part of that. Let's turn off the Netflix. Ending a poetically titled chapter here by Betty, the happy housewife heroine. The mass hypnosis of a society is more powerful than any drug in a society. Heroin doesn't make you sign a government contract chaining you to a stranger until one of you die or leave with half of the other person's belongings. <laughs> it's a pretty strong opiate, what everybody around you is doing. Why do so many women with the ability to learn or educate return home to rear children? Got a little bit of a population issue if you didn't hear. It's because this heroin has dosed society. That, and you hear, like, employers say... Oh, shit. She went off to have kids. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much done. When women have kids, they do not give a fuck about their careers anymore at large. It's something clicks in your brain where you realize, like, like I said before, when you get the information from the feminine mystique, you're going, who was I just laboring away for and paying taxes and running their business for them? I'm going to go take care of this kid that I bought into the world. It's probably a good idea. 
It's powerful shit. Betty quote, The feminine mystique is so powerful that women grow up no longer knowing that they have the desires and capabilities that the mystic forbids them from seeing. So that 40% who think they are happy doing laundry every day, maybe you're tricked. Maybe you are not seeing beyond the mystique. Beautiful wordplay chapter there. That was. How did she not write more books? Chapter 3, The Crisis in Woman's Identity. Betty says, another creepy tip from one of her studies, at the time, women do not think of their life beyond the age of 21. I would say that's probably the age of 30 now. Let me take out a women's study degree for $200,000. Back then, women didn't have a college plan. Today's version is nobody has a plan after college. Heavy parallels. A man is not a man without a plan. You've heard that one before. If you're wandering a decade into the dark with no other goals and spit some kids out of you, that's on you. You stacked the deck against you. Even when Betty pursued her psychological degree, she said it scared off a lot of men. She would go to bonfires and none of the girls in the 1950s and their poodle skirts, skirts liked being asked what they wanted to do for a living. We see that is a huge double standard in society. Men are always asked, what are you doing? What are you doing for a living? Women are being asked, who are you seeing? Are you seeing anyone? you have a boyfriend? <laughs> Unfortunately, in this era, Betty had the pretty deep point here, was saying nobody had the wherewithal to even just once tell their kid or their partner, you have to decide what you want to do with your life other than being a husband's wife or a child's mother. Start of the chapter. Nobody's thinking beyond what happens when you get the wedding ring. That's not the end of the game. And so Betty's thinking maybe people are hiding behind the feminine mystique. They, It's not that they're not aware of it. They just like their cushy position. Another girl wrote in saying she didn't want to be anything like her mom, who was a newspaper reporter. And the girl was like, that shit looks exhausting. So it's always an individual basis. But the girl who's shying away from what looks like a lot of work never stopped to ask her mom if she felt fulfilled. Betty had a little back and forth with the lady, and she was like, yeah, maybe your mom does look like she's tired, but maybe she's happy with her life. So Take this girl around the campfire or go back to Betty in her poodle skirt. When Betty was dating boys growing up, she never felt like she was herself around them. And a lot of the women that wrote in were also saying that they feel like they aren't their real self around their husband. And as many years as you feed into that act, you are going to become more cognitively dissonant. Just like men have it, but this isn't about us. Throughout a lifetime, a lot of these identity crises will take place. It could be soul-crushing, or it could be a rebirth. You have to take advantage of these pivot points in your life. Betty says, at one point in your life, you're going to have to switch over from femininity to a full identity. We've had this on the show. Almost every author I've read now has says it. Repeating or echoing an ideology is not an identity. Chapter 4, The Passionate Journey. Betty, my girl, she saw 40 years before she wrote this book, that first wave of feminism in the 20s, was when women got the right to vote. And she saw, having worked in government as well, how slow the ball rolls. You have to be able to adopt a new culture in order to evolve. Look at 
Asian Americans or even Indian Americans now are doing better than whites. Why are we still doing affirmative action? Well, I don't know. I'm racist. I can't talk about that. This ties back to the be a human thing before you're a mother or you're a race or anything. In 1848 in Seneca Falls, New York, the first women's rights convention, their goals were to help free African slaves overthrow the Russian czar. They wanted to drive the British out of India. You are aiming very high there, ladies. Maybe glossing over some of your own, some women in the Middle East getting their labias chopped off by some barbaric men. Maybe you could do that before you stop slavery in the world. You guys know there's more slavery now than there was in 1860 with all like the sex trafficking, open air slave trades in Libya. I saw this disgusting picture of grown ass men in Libya in the streets chained up at the feet, hanging upside down in a slave market. It's one of the fucking most disgusting things I've seen in my life. That's reality. All of us in our complaining about being a wife realities here in America. It could be worse. Reverend Theodore Parker back in the day was giving the Seneca Falls women group a little little pushback. He's not letting them just do whatever they want in government. Reverend was saying women are too precious. They're they're useful. They cannot be outside of the home. They're too fragile. (laughs) Just like when you tell a chick to calm down, they do not like to be told that they're fragile. This guy is just trying to keep the workplace drama free. He doesn't want women in the factories, so he's going, uh, they're, they're too fragile. I don't want to have an HR department. Keep women out of the fucking workplace. Like, I was talking about the violences of good fucking social regulator before. There was never an HR department. Men, if you said something fucked up to a coworker or talked down to your boss, you get fired. Or you have to fight another guy at lunch. HR. That was after Betty Friedan's 63 second wave of feminism. <laughs> Betty's out here fighting against the will of God against Reverend Theodore women won the right to not have to wear bonnets outside and that kind of circles me back to my argument why aren't you trying to help these ladies that you can actually help who have to wear full what are they called sheiks, uh, garbs fucking mummies, biohazard workers, burkas there it is Maybe you could try to get the burkas off of ladies' heads nowadays. 2020 feminists instead of marching with pussy hats. You got real things in the world that you could try to help. Really interesting part of the chapter here was with that reverend, with the Massachusetts. They thought chicks were witches. They were allowed to burn ladies. The Massachusetts legislative body told Betty's group that their work is deteriorating the societal view of the female character. Their whole point was the best asset of a woman is her dependence, that you are a very good supporter. But Betty is trying to wake the other girls up and be like, you are very much more than a second-class citizen. You can go out. You can be the breadwinner. She talked about some of her political action friends. Mary Wanstoncraft spent some time around England as a professor. Margaret Fuller's familiar name. Her dad taught her six languages. That's an outlier. Elizabeth Stanton's, she would listen to her dad's legal cases. Happy, successful women are not depressed trophy wives. Ended the chapter talking about Susan B. Anthony. She was the one who got the 6,000 signatures from New York women to vote. (laughs) And then, uh, women, you got to 
burning the triangle shirtwaist factory. Remember that one? We I learned about this in at least four school year subjects. Finally got to join the factories, make some money. And you cry till the end of the time because you got caught in one bad fire. Yeah, you have to jump out some windows while a million reporters are videoing your death. That is a much more glorious death than the thousands of men that go missing in mines every single year. We talk about the wage gap. Do you want to go fucking down two miles into the earth and mine minerals? That's a hell job. You descended to hell every single day. Come back up with a black lung to a depressed wife. Margaret's group here, women in general, may not have been able to free the slaves, but they were able to spread the ideas of community and unionizing. Not bad. Chapter 5, Sexual Solipsism of Sigmund Freud. This one's about how we were talking about you have to come to be at a point in your life. There's a point, Betty is saying, when a female will become sour. (laughs) You can't put up the act forever, and then you sour much harder than a man would. A mean old woman is so much worse than a mean old man. You get a working class woman coming up and she'll tell you, I want this, this, and this. Have it on the fucking end for me. I got shit to do. And then you have a housewife come in and they stare at you. What do you want, bitch? That's not how a store works. You don't have someone start reading menus to you. (laughs) There's a much larger degree of independence. At the time, new Freudian psychology was praised that everyone praises is just entrapping women more. The further we get away from Freud, the more people think he's a lunatic. Betty says the mystique is harder to judge than the old prejudices. It's like how that Theodore the Reverend was saying how women are subservient to males. (laughs) Freud describes growing up through sexual development, and he says all women have a thing called penis envy. Is that, how is this the most coveted fucking philosopher? This shit's corrupt, man. Betty, everybody had to kneel down to Freud. She was considering this part of becoming a woman, the penis envy. I guess that explains strap-ons and sex. Uh, Here's another double standard for you. I was digging this girl. She takes me over to her house and she has like a 50 shades gray closet of dildos from ceiling to floor they all got names and stuff it's like what if i had one fleshlight i am a fucking disgusting creep that needs to be solidified from society double standard (laughs) the freudian theory so so is that penis envy having a (laughs) is that penis envy having a closet of cocks that's a shrine to dicks (laughs) and betty tried to justify the oral and the anal phase which makes even less sense now being in a time of surplus but like you could get obsessed with putting things in your mouth because that was the time that you learned about breastfeeding and titties are awesome or you can get uh stuck in the anal stage which was when something happened when you were being potty trained and now you never grew up since then this is freud people Freud's biggest flaw, Betty thought, was all of these things happen under loving conditions. But love is irrational, and so is nurture. So it's not X plus Y plus Z. You you cannot draw every problem in your life back to when you were being potty trained. You hear that, Sigmund Freud? Go uh, spend some more time with Pavlov. That guy was using a seven-step scientific method. He wasn't just being the first one to write about psychology. It's like the uh, Edison and Tesla. Pavlov was the Tesla. 
Freud is some Edison hack. And we have a bit of a conundrum here. At the end of life, men gradually are less into sex. Your testosterone levels drop. You can learn to be a bit of a human more. Woman, it revs up. You get even crazier at the end of your life up until menopause. You sure don't have penis envy then. You, what are you envying a dead penis? The old ladies and the <laughs> some of where the most sex in our society takes place in retirement homes, swingers up and about there. Wouldn't be a thing without Viagra. Another Freud estimation. While the ego is derived from the past, the superego lives in the present. Freud is based in the past. If you grew up playing with a dollhouse, that may mean that you were conditioned to be a housewife. Chapter 6. Margaret Mead's Protest. A little hindsight. Betty's saying there is no anthropological decision or benefit to sheltering women from the pains of growing up. I've been thinking this a lot recently. (laughs) Probably think it's stupid when I hear when I'm older. But how come, exactly like Betty's point, just one person, how come at least one fucking person doesn't tell you growing up, this shit is about to suck, man. Get ready. Like, everyone's like, oh my god, you're gonna be able to... Like, when you're a kid, you're gonna be able to eat sugary snacks anytime you want. You don't. You never have to go to bed. Nobody will ever just look you in the eyes and tell you shit's gonna be hard. It's, there's always some sort of trickery. So the girl who's studying calculus that Betty was going through school with... At the time, they're able to ignore their World War II drafts. <laughs> Your place is in the home. This is like people just don't tell you different. People just let you fail. If a white guy said, A Negro's place is on the farm. Great soundbite to have out there. Time has outgrown this retard's opinion. This guy's stupidity is a relic of the past. This is why you're able to laugh at his ridiculousness. But you can't aggress against him. It's like how nobody is willing to admit yet that the current taxation model is theft. This is what the feminine mystique was and Margaret Mead's protest was up until the 60s. Betty started writing about this. I would think this age has only gotten bigger. She said we're in a period of mental gymnastics. Now, women can bumble any dude they want, limiting sexual access to only men that they want. Women are now even more in control than sex than ever. Imagine if there was a men's only bumble. There would be an outroar. Men cannot have that much power in an app. Out here in Denver, there is a ladies only open mic. I am so fucking close. I might do this like a week before I have to move. Cross-dressing and going to this open mic. What what are they going to say? I'll be like, I identify as a fucking female because I need stage time. It doesn't matter why you're identifying as something for attention. You could never have white male comedy open mic night. I think I'm a KKK grand wizard for having mentioned it. Double standards everywhere. It's this illusion that Betty's talking about and that Margaret Mead was protesting about. You were allowed to in the 20s do men's only mic night. Why is it cool now to do a woman's only mic night? It's fucking discriminatory. It's okay, though. I go to Pride and Swagger, baby. It's a gay bar open mic night. And you get even more love. Ladies, watch out for gay dudes. If they keep laughing as hard as they do, that's some real competition. I've talked about it before on the show. Guys nowadays, like these really young kids who are DMing rich people on Instagram, the younger gay guys are not looking for a stonewall riot, a cool gay bar community to lose themselves in. 
They're looking for a man with money or someone to get them out of the workforce. Closing out this chapter, this is fucking discriminatory as hell. Old private colleges, their pamphlets used to have a disclaimer for sending women to their schools. It used to say shit like, uh, she might develop her interests, which, you know, run counter to the phases of housewivery. Here it said, you might run the risk of awakening interests and abilities, which again run counter to the present definition of femininity. So it's basically saying, dude, warning, she might have new ideas. And that's what the feminine mystique is. These ideas never had crossed a woman's mind. Forbidden knowledge. And Betty drops analyzing this quote, one of the first truthful points. She goes, equality is not always functional. Everyone being equal, everybody being given the same amount for different types of work, that is not functional at all. So if you and your fucking husband are both trying to go be breadwinners, your kids, they're going to hate their home life. Equality isn't always the answer. Do you want to try to be a breadwinner or do you want to stay at home and multiply yourself? Women, you're creepy. We leave you alone for nine months. We come back and then there's two of you. Get it together. Chapter 7, The Sex-Directed Education. Margaret Mead said that she saw the feminine mystique as a ton of wasted human potential. In the 1950s, two-thirds of women who went to college dropped out. Like I said before at the beginning of the show, well-known fact, now women reportedly get higher grades than men, not in STEM fields. This is also a testament to how hard college was and how it really has changed. College really used to be a test of intelligence. Now it's a business. Very few kids actually go to college to study law or medicine. Professors back then were saying, even the girls who stayed wouldn't give themselves up totally to the subject. They wouldn't be studying different ligaments in the body until 10 p.m. They were concerned about falling behind in the dating race. Vassar College reported to Betty, in the classroom, 15 out of 20 women were knitting. 60% dropped out. Damn, the priorities were just messed up back then. If you didn't go on a date every two weeks, you were a prude. And if you got two malt milkshakes bought for you that week, you were the whore of the town. These dumb societal standards are how the mystique changes. Nowadays, you could be seeing five guys at once as long as you don't do the sex before the third date. I've never done the sex before. Is that how you do the sex? <laughs> Girls back then were saying their sole intentions to going to college were basically to not be a social outcast at home. It's that thinking beyond the age of 22 thing before. Got a scary stat here to end the chapter. Betty got it from a California psychologist team that was following 140 youngsters throughout their youth. There is a sudden sharp drop in IQ by as much as 20 points when girls embrace the old saying, it isn't too smart for a girl to be smart. Like, if you give in to the housewife, if you if you give up, man, your actual brain shrinks. Your brain is going, okay, we don't need to troubleshoot possible futures. Let's just coast. And then even the interesting part of your brain shrinks, too. It, everything goes down for efficiency. So do not give up that thirst for knowledge that we were talking about at the beginning. It's a psyop, baby. You know, sagging came about for black people, and then it turned into niggas. Yeah, just rearrange the spelling. It's a psyop. 
They turned women. They turned your thirst for knowledge into a thirst for dick. Wake up to the social engineering, ladies and gentlemen. Chapter 8, War and Peace, The Mistaken Choice. So this is a pretty self-explanatory chapter about, you know, equality. Where does equality come into any part of the equation when we're talking about war? When the men went off to war, it heightened the woman's sense of urgency to find love. This is why we call them the baby boomers. After the World War II baby boom, education went to the top priority and then pregnancy dropped below it. So things went back to normal. But another cool thing they're finding out recently through being able to actually track our soldiers in the Middle East, when you come home from a deployment, and this is why a disproportional amount of those 1940s men are male men are male men are male men are male men who have deployed or even done their odyssey went out into the world have a higher chance of procreating a son isn't that pretty crazy it might be the fucking ptsd in your epigenetics or something but if you go out and face a lot of shit your body is like let's replace this genetic copy we got our own little weird multiplication systems in ourselves too ladies war enhances the mystique so that suburban sprawl in the 1950s happened at a really great time. It was as the spell was wearing off from the post-war mystique. So during the war times, the men pulled the weight in society. But during Great Depressions, probably due for another in the 1920s, 100 years ago we had a depression, 200 years ago we had a plague. I think this year we're due for, a, for an epidemic plague. This goes back to biology. Look at lions. The female lions do the hunting. Men do not go out and get food for the family in nature. We chill out and protect the tribe. We are just there to, as cannon fodder to die in battle. So women are good at this. They're good at looking around for nuts. During the Depression, when there is no work, women are better at going and scavenging. You can always sell your pussy even in a Depression. This is very interesting how the early studies of working mothers had no ill effect on kids. Like um, Malcolm Gladwell, he had an immigrant mother from some poor European country, and he was growing up in squalor. Malcolm Gladwell, he's a household name. Weirdly, nowadays, the people who grow up with one mother, like I said before, half of them wind up in prison. The family structure is more important than ever now. One of Betty's later points was, nobody's ever been fired for the attack on the mail. I could tweet out right now, men are scum of the earth. All they do is beat off, and men are trash. You see this all the time, whereas if I tweeted, women are douchebags of the earth. All they do is use their magic wand vibrators. Double standard. I felt uncomfortable just letting that out of my mouth. Chapter 9, <laughs> the sexual shell has her tinfoil hat on, ladies and gentlemen. Let's spark one up. <laughs> Betty said... Femininity isn't about controlling sex. It's about domesticating women. My take on that, it is nearly impossible to domesticate a single wild male. So the government has to convince the woman who have the sex what the men want to domesticate. And the government's ultimately after the money. How are they going to tax the wild male? you got to bring him into the household. That's like how it's nearly impossible to get on government assistance if you don't have a kid. They're like... You don't have a kid, you're a male. Go fucking make us tax money. We're living on a tax farm, ladies and gentlemen. I had a shattered shoulder. 
this is like a half a man. And they're like, you are not eligible for United States government assistant. We'd love to see you back out in the workforce. How about you go feed your own fucking war machine? Just like when you're tired, you're suggestible. When you're depressed, you buy things. Now that the woman in the household has control of the man's wallet, women are advertised to more than any demographic in America. Learned this in college in my major about advertising. Almost every fucking ad dollar is spent on the woman. So the mystique pushing them further into the house makes them more anxious and depressed so they spend more money. And more of it gets funneled to the top. Our big old Ponzi scheme. This was a really fucking crazy stat had. A proven conspiracy Betty found out about in the 60s. The head of GM, General Electric's, Macy, General Foods all voted on a motion to pull together $50 billion to propagandize a woman's place in the home. So, like, they were going, let's all throw together billions of dollars to make sure the Super Bowl halftime message is happy wife, happy life. Drill that into the fucking sheeple's heads. America's an oligarchy with corporations who are writing the laws. Objectivism today. They want you to spend. Advertisers do not care about feminism. They don't care about democracy. Our electorates are bought off. So unfortunately, their virtues are the same. Alexandria Ocasio, she wants a private jet, and she wants to tax you with it through the Green New Deal. She doesn't care about single mothers. She doesn't care about the household or feminism. She doesn't even care about democracy. Nixon, he was VP to Kennedy at the time, quoted saying, too many women are being educated. They want careers. It's unhealthy. There, that's Nixon saying it. You can hate on him more because I know you would never turn against your own and hate against Alexandra Ocasio. There's a cool stat earlier. I may have fucking glazed over it about how women are more cunty to women than they are to men. It's a farce. Be real. Nixon, AOC, Bernie even, these lizards speak in societal terms where it's better to brainwash the masses rather than to reveal to an individual their potential. <laughs> the, their goal isn't for people to become self-actualized, is to have a functioning taxpayer base. And we saw that push for the nuclear family after Kennedy got assassinated. Kennedy... Guy hooking up with the most notorious unmarried bad bitch of his time. Talked about it before. That is not the message that you can have going around. <laughs> there you go. It happened 40 years later with Bill Clinton. He, most powerful man in the world. Got sucked off by an intern. That is not very uncommon. I'm starting to think Genghis Khan. Oh, maybe he had a little bit of sex too because he had so much power. That's like MK Ultra for women, bro. There was, in 1945, a mansion in Westchester, New York. It was called the Barragnila, and over 300,000 housewives were brought to this mansion for in-depth interviews. You gotta learn their pathology to be able to manipulate it. And Betty said throughout this declassified government study, we were able to find out, I mean, the government algorithms are definitely more in-depth now, the way they, like, categorize us through Facebook. They have three categories that they were putting housewives in. So even back in 1963, the government was getting their hands on as many people's information as possible and grouping them. This is why they want your information. They want to be able to try to tell the future with your personality base. Predictive crime. It's a fucking scary thing where people need to pay attention about. Uh, we won't get too into them, but the three things Betty was finding out, like you're either a career woman, a trophy wife, or a balanced homemaker. But once you start putting labels on shit, people are going... Oh, I'm 
basic and then it becomes cool to not have an identity but when you're able to sell these ideas getting back into the the vortex you're spending more money you're feeding into the kardashians and the snap story culture the fucking it's just like the old keeping up with the joneses but the new virtual version now you have families eating frozen fda gmo'd food and instant coffee but hey your mom is in a facebook cooking club you gotta go whole hog you can't just be half a trophy wife and half a dedicated housewife do you want to be a socialite or do you want to be a mother who puts dinner on the table betty still off her rocker a little bit said we are a primal culture worshiping a religion that we don't know where it came from and we hoist our little girls into playing with dollhouses and reading magazine makeup articles dooming them to a feminist hellhole male or female stop buying pointless shit get your head out of the advertisements chapter 11 here the sex seekers on her suburban Kinsey study trail, women were very eager to be asked about sex. Women were saying sex is the only thing that still makes them feel alive. Holy crap, it's like you're a war-torn 50-yard stare veteran. I clean these dishes all day. The shirts, I fold them and fold them, they never end. God damn that dick. That dick is the only thing I'm living for anymore. It's worse out there than you thought. In the 60s, this was a massive issue, the sexual frustration women had. The vibrators were not at... You had to be literally prescribed a vibrator by your doctor because if you were too horny, if you weren't... If your dude had a little dick, you were prescribed with... um, It was mania back then. They said you were manic because you weren't getting fucked good enough and they would prescribe you a vibrator. Isn't that fucking wild? Nowadays, I go and see girls have a fucking entire bedroom in their apartment. Don't you? Is that what you save your money on from never picking up a checkbook? In 1948 till 1953, on the uh, Kinsey study trail, Betty was getting tons of these failed marriages being reported. But they weren't getting divorced. They were just living in sexless hell. And this goes back to the thing even deeper men get in life. They're turning away from chasing women around. They're getting more into their passion as well. Take note. So when you buy into the mystique, when women glorify beauty and sex being their only tool from a young age, you're going to trick men into that as well. Have you ever seen the Patrice O'Neill? It's like a half crowd work bit, but you can make the crowd say anything you want. He was going... Ladies, if you got into a car accident tomorrow and your pussy got railed off by this car accident, you got to go home and entertain your man. What are you going to tell him? How are you going to keep your man there? And he puts the microphone out to the audience and the ladies are always like, Butthole! My mouth! And Patrice is like, okay, okay. Maybe I could stay around for a couple blowjobs and some anal. But... Do you realize the first two things that you just screamed out to identify your value was not tell him some jokes, bake him a pie. You identified yourself as a butthole and a mouth hole. You can see he's getting to a much deeper point of the fucking feminine mystique. How can you say you deserve more when you're only literally signifying your two buying points as holes? Tying it to Betty here, getting obsessed with vanity at a young age would be like me right now saying my brown hair is my best quality knowing that by the age of 30 me probably i'm going to be fully gray 
you gotta hedge your fucking bets, ladies. <laughs> so the sex seekers, these people who are getting way into their head about sex is the way to live. Psychiatrists were also calling it soapy syndrome, some shit like that. Everybody's watching soap operas, and you're just in the house all day, much like the housewife's neurosis. Go out and get fucked. Man, I wish I was alive during the 60s. If I could, like, take a time machine one place on Earth, or a few, one of them is going to be a 70s disco. I want to go fucking rail lines, dance with a black chick with an afro and flare jeans that knows how to fucking... I want to throw on some goddamn boogie shoes. I guess that's my sexual repression. Obviously, the women had to deal with this a lot throughout history, but now you're free women. You don't even need men anymore. You got all the vibrators in the world. You got women empowerment. You got female anime shit. You're good. Chapter 12, this is going to be like her last big argument before the final two chapters of review and what to do in the future. Progressive dehumanization. She calls this one very poetically the comfortable concentration camp college girls were telling betsy that they'd go to parties on week jesus this coffee's getting to me i'm gonna throw up on the mic by the end of the episode <laughs> they were telling betty these college girls that on the weekends they're only going to parties to work on their intuition you can't learn that from a book i respect you from it i think i learned a lot more people skills social dynamics and shit like that in fraternity meetings and basements than I did in any of those fucking bullshit lectures that <laughs> teachers are just reading out of their research papers and boring a captive audience. How disrespectful. You can't disrespect the moik like that. So Betty's saying again, you will turn into an amorphous mass if you stay in this constructive concentration camp. If you're a stay-at-home mom who spends all day at home with toddlers, your worldview is going to be that of a toddler. If you feed into the foe of a life that people call motherhood. It should last 18 to 20 years. You get a few kids in, a few kids out. Unless you're one of the queen bees. That's how it works. <laughs> I might have to reread this one. Sex at Dawn. That book is about how, like, when you're living in a tribe, there are a few fertile women that you use from, like, that you use from 16 to 80. They're just giving birth, giving birth, giving birth. And then the other women are taking care of the kids. But you have some birth women. Only until now that we don't have survival of the fittest anymore and everybody has a fucking kid. Betty said... It might not be as obvious as a gas chamber, but the feminine mystique for sure is a trap. Chapter 13 are second to last. This is more of how you could cope with the current housewife situation in 1963. Still applies. It's called the fortified self. Talking about Maslow. And one of Maslow's main points was that every organism has a growth tendency. Or a potential, like I've been saying it. Just putting harder terms on it. Thank you, Maslow. Humans... We pay a price for being for mentally ignoring that. We're the only creatures that know how to think, to be introspective, and hate ourselves. If you mentally ignore that growth tendency, it's going to bite you in the ass. You're repressing something you're hiding from your own potential. Since anxiety naturally comes with freedom, you have to learn how to cope with your anxiety. Work through it with hobbies or something. Find something to do. Purpose is what gives pattern to one's day. You can't put 
pattern before purpose. If you're going, I need to get my nine to five down before I can figure out what I'm doing in life. If you don't know what your purpose is in life, you're going to fucking hate the patterns that you stick yourself in. Interesting point. We're talking about self-awareness here. Dogs can only see about a half an hour into the past and the present. Sheep, about 15 minutes. (laughs) Humans, 10 minutes. Closer to sheep. Spending a day watching Netflix is avoiding the uncomfortable necessities of the day. Higher needs can be channeled into thought patterns. Once you've fortified your purpose, your Maslow's, your growth tendency... You'll prefer to be treated like a person rather than a woman. And that's a beautiful thing when you can transcend your sex and people just see you as a person rather than a gross man or a woman. An annoying part (laughs) Betty had to bring up was how self-actualized people rarely stew in the enjoyment of an accomplishment. These people who are like accomplishment stimuli junkies, it's on to the fucking next thing once you accomplish your predetermined goal. And then you got moms who do not have this fucking reward system set up in their brain. They're stuck on the the teat of society. Moms celebrate the 40-year-old birthday party. And then 10 years later are saying, holy shit, did I just turn 40? Men drink a tall boy in the dark, depressing, lazy boy living room they have and hope nobody noticed that they just got a year older. The the reality is, men or women, successful people move on to the next goal immediately. Talk to any obstetrician, pediatrician, gynecologist, marriage counselor, or minister. Women who are not self-actualized deteriorate at faster rates. Just like I was saying before, how at later periods in your life you're going to have more issues if you don't come to terms with what you did here. And the mystique promises sexual fulfillment through abdication. It's not promising autonomy. And that's a very dangerous thing. Because you can live a quote-unquote successful life. Um, just a blueprint your guidance counselor gave you in high school. Oh, this this fits your skill set. I think you should be an accountant. And then you grow up to do that shit and you're like, hold the fuck up. This was my guidance counselor's life I just lived out. I mean, I have a good paycheck and a family that loves me. But I didn't really choose this own adventure. That's what life is. And when you don't choose your own adventure, your brain recognizes it. And it's like, no, we had one shot. (coughs) And you squandered it. (laughs) That really tolls on people in the later years. That's scary shite. And it brings us back to what we were talking about earlier, chapter three. Identity crises can often take years off your life if you don't sort it out quick. Chapter 14, our final chapter, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for sticking through. A new plan for women. What can we do to deal with the society? The society. Chapter for you romantics out there. Betty, going, if it weren't for minority women, white bitches would still be in factories. (laughs) You've heard this joke before. How the fuck did white women get into the fucking cultural appropriation group? Like, white women don't have... They have the easiest incarnation of any race, color, sex. But they don't even have white privilege. How the fuck did you manipulate media like that? Because women are in control of the media, like we get back to the spending dollars and advertisement money before. Without the minority women, if all of the disenfranchised classes do not band together, a revolution or not a revolution, a fucking civil march will never work. Like MLK 
two years before he was getting offed. This is a crazy story. I went hard on MLK, MLK Day. I was like, dude, I went to a fucking rally here in Denver. They were doing uh, shit for people had guns out, and they were like, stop. <laughs> Colorado's a uh, liberal state, but people are going, we're not liberal. In the, we're libertarians. You're not going to take our fucking protection. MLK was uniting all of the classes as Betty Friedan knew you have to. MLK, he gave a speech to like 4,500 people outside of a church in South Carolina and they had to take the amplifiers outside of the church and he was blasting it to all the people. And one of the quotes from that speech, famous quote is, I, I regret to inform you all here today, white, black, poor, all the disenfranchised, the most destructive thing to the United States is the United States government. That is a quote from Martin Luther King Jr., Reverend, Holiday Man, fucking American hero. He's saying the most conspiratorial thing you can, our government is the one that's fucking keeping us down. Why do you think this guy got killed? Why do you think people like Betty Friedan saying, whatever race woman you are, we are all on the same goddamn team. Stop trying to say... White women aren't fucking uh, white privilege. All of that shit is stupid. Let's all band together for a lesser income tax. I don't give a fuck if you have a vagina or a penis or a mangina or some new alien antenna that these doctors are putting on people. Let's take our money back. Let's take our political fucking leverage back, people. Let's talk like Martin Luther King here. We're done with uh, the game. We're done with Woman's Month here. We're all one, as gay as that is. This is a hippie-ass show, ladies and gentlemen. But as we get to the final chapter, we're making these bigger, these bigger points. We got to start looking up. Look at, ooh, a good this past month. If you're still keeping up with the Paris protests, the firefighters have finally turned against the cops. You see, there was this one video that made me punch my pillow, dog. The firefighters pushed back the riot line because it's just like a big football game in a riot. You got to try to push for yards. And the firefighters were so much stronger than the cops. They were like pushing them 20 feet back and they didn't stomp anybody they were just pushing them back so that the protesters can keep putting their fucking voice out there not causing riots the police are trying to silence you the firefighters pushed them back in the video some of the cops were on the ground and the firefighters were like should i beat the shit out of this guy and then they just helped some of them up and then the cops start beating the fuck out of the people that helped them up dude man Dude, man, if I was a firefighter, I would have spat on that fucking cop's face. I just helped you up as a human showing you, hey, there's a bigger picture here. Stop being a fucking turncoat and stand with your fellow man. Woo-wee! Look who's on your side. Start opening your eyes. The feminine mystique is not dead. It is well and alive. It is the human mystique now, the one world order <laughs> mystique. Let's finish up Betty's points about equality. <clears throat> Let's skip to her bombshell stat to end it. Betty was saying, oh, this is what I was using the whole time, <laughs> 60% of housewives admitted that they are unfulfilled being a homemaker. So why is this still the narrative being pushed? Why are the dollhouses still being given to their kids by the 60% of women? You're setting your kid up for failure. Only 5% of women said that they want to do more with their lives. Only 5% of women admitted that they wanted to do more, though, that they would have put the work in. So this leaves us with a 
of women, a third of women, are admitting to inaction about unfulfilled lives. You have a victim mentality. I do not feel bad for you. Bootstraps. Fucking get your shit together. <laughs> it's like sitting in a jacuzzi complaining that it's too hot. Or when your girlfriend goes, I have a bellyache. How about you take a tum? I'm not going to fucking validate your upset stomach. This is not an emotional argument. Go take a fucking tum. I'll be frank with you at the end. Girls that sleep around open more doors for themselves. Sleeping with a guy does not close the door. We're talking a lot about independence today. Guys are looking for the girl who is independent. We do not find it attractive when you're a fucking serial monogamist. We want independence in a woman. There's the game for you. And with those stats about how everyone's lying to themselves in the household, Betty said, Why would a man have to suffer to grow, but not a woman? These are the trials of the human spirit, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not... I love both sex. I love my moms. I love my sisters. I love my grandmas. But we are looking big picture here on Nick's Nonfiction. If you want to play a higher level of the game, get ready for a higher difficulty. That is going to take us to the end of The Feminine Mystique by Miss Betty Frieden. Thank you very much. You started the second wave of feminism. You got women out of the household. You shaped society, for better or for worse. But we could thank you for giving us some content for Nick's nonfiction. A little bit abrupt end to the show today. We do not have a book coming up this mid-month for the first time. We have the first ever Yelp Review Review. I'm going to a local Denver restaurant, Denverites. Definitely going to want to tune into this one. And I'm going to tear apart everything from the food to the service to the atmosphere about this establishment. I'm going Gordon Ramsay on this motherfucking chef. I am about to put a fucking hair in my food, get a couple free entrees, chop my fingertips off, go back into the kitchen, and sue for damages. This is definitely not going to be this big video to pop off. I already know it's going to be something that just chills on my YouTube page and is hopefully discovered in years to come. Hopefully it'll be something silly that'll just give you a little change up here on Nick's Nonfiction. Podcast listeners, if you are only on iTunes or Google Play, this is going to be a week. Two weeks from now, the 15th of March, you are going to want to check out the YouTube because this is not going to upload as, is it? Fuck me. Yeah, scratch that. Sorry, guys. I'm definitely going to put it up as a podcast, too. I will, I'll write around it. We'll figure it out. It's going to be an experiment. You're going to be laughing all the way to and from the restaurants we're going to. I want to thank you guys for staying tuned to The Feminine Mystique. I want to thank you for... This is the end of Q1. This is how I fucking slice up my years. Thank you guys for making it this far. This is our second season. We're doing a couple of months. We're going to be growing. We're going to be laughing. We got crazy books up to come do not miss april 1st we are going around the country with one of the biggest rock bands to have ever graced america thank you guys for tuning in again i'm nick muniz peace